This week on Substances, we'll bring you an exciting panel on the Yugoslavian War and Serbia this week. We're hosting a discussion between Melania Popovic, Lara Lumezzi, and Ivana Pavlovic about what happened in the 1990s and how things have continued into today. It's been one of our most anticipated podcasts, and we can't wait for you to hear it. Post-World War II, Communist Party president and war hero Josef Tito came to power in Yugoslavia. Tito's incarnation of Yugoslavia aimed to divide the powers more equally. And so instead of one country, it was a series of six republics, each with its own parliament and president. Croatia, Slovenia, Serbia, Bosnia-Herzegovina, Montenegro, Macedonia, Kosovo, and Volvodinia. After Tito's death in 1980, things became more complicated for the six Yugoslavian republics because each of them gained more autonomy. The breakup began in the late 1980s and led into the wars in the 1990s. We'll get more of an idea of who is to blame, how do we process this kind of breakup in the panel that follows. We hope you enjoy the show. from a shared generational history with Serbia, Kosovo, and also Albania. This is something that directly hits home with each and every one of you. Your families have lived through war, and so have you, or at least by extension, and it has directly affected all of your lives. Through your experience, the same conflict, you have each have a different perspective on the issue. It's not a light subject to approach, let alone cover, so we thank each of you for your time and valuable and personal insight. Talking about difficult and uncomfortable issues is how we can learn, something as we as international students can both understand and appreciate. You are intelligent young women who are passionate about human rights, education, and growth. Before we dive into our panel, can you each introduce yourselves, where you are from, and touch upon your role in the Yugoslavian wars played in shaping your identity. Ladies, feel free to be detailed here so our listeners have a good grasp of who you are and where you are coming from. So, I'm Luanda, and... Um, I am a first-generation Canadian. My parents moved from Karawatz, Croatia to Canada in 1992, and I was born in Canada in 1994. I have a background in international relations and anthropology from my undergrad. Um, I am Ivana Pavlovich. I'm from, I always say from Serbia or from Kosovo, however <laughs> someone wants to hear it because I don't want to offend anyone. Uh, I'm, I'm actually Serbian from Kosovo. Uh, uh, my undergraduate studies were in journalism and communication, and um, I like unicorns. I am Laura Lumezi, I come from Kosovo. I studied management and public policy, so that's my background. Uh, so I've been living in Kosovo my whole life, and this is the first time I'm living somewhere outside of Kosovo. Okay, well thank you guys for being here today. This is our first panel we've done on substances. We've featured a lot of individual speakers who get to share a voice, so this will be especially special because you guys get to participate in cross-cultural dialogue even though it's talking about one issue. Um, so I guess one of the first questions we'd want to ask was, do you think that the Yugoslav war was about land or about ideologies? 
So um, basically, I believe, and I think like what I've been taught in our history, uh, the Yugoslavian war um, started because there was conflict between countries. So it depends which war, but basically they started because uh, there was conflict between uh, the rights that different uh, countries had, uh, meaning Croatia, Serbia, uh, Montenegro, uh, Bosnia, and Macedonia. So I think it was more like uh, having power uh, more than territory when it comes to the Yugoslavian war. And then separately Serbian and Kosovo war, mm -hmm. and then separately uh, Bosnian and uh, Croatian and Serbian war. Yeah, um, I definitely think it was possibly a mix of uh, fueled ideologies that were implemented partially by, by the politicians of the, the region and uh, by outside sources. You know, there's uh, the like, late 80s of Yugoslavia saw a lot of um, economic downfall and turn and I think people needed a reason to find uh, who was at fault and so I think uh, it was set up in a way that ideologies and nationalism were definitely heightened and then in turn it turned to land claims because these people have been living there for generations in peace for the most part with neighbors of, of Croatian descent, of Serbian descent, of Bosnian descent and so I think it was a little bit of, of a mix. Yeah. So um, I believe, let's say, uh, Kosovo and Serbian war were because of the land. But when it comes to Yugoslavia as a whole, when it started with uh, the separation or uh, Slovenia was the first one who left Yugoslavia, so that wasn't because of the land, that was more because of the power. And in my opinion, like the biggest, like the thing that triggered the Yugoslavian, let's say the crash of Yugoslavia, was uh, the Slobodan Milosevic regime. I think he was the one that led this. But I think it started before Slobodan Milosevic came out. If well, you look at it, I mean, if you look, if you look at instances outside of, like, um, outside of the Kosovo-Serbia conflict, I'm speaking because my parents were Serbians that were living in Croatia at the time. Um, I think in some instances, you're right, definitely with the Slovenia conflict, that wasn't necessarily a land claim, that was uh, because Slovenia wanted independence, but I think it, it started because of economic downfalls. Definitely, and, definitely. And definitely, yeah. because the, the, the way of life had entirely changed. When you see the prosperity that Yugoslavia had, to what it was after you know Tito passed away and the economic downturn of, of the Yugoslavian economy and the standard of living that, that plummeted at the time. I think that's kind of what triggered it in that sense. And then on top of that, you're dealing with land claims of, of generations of people who have lived in, in areas, again, hand in hand, and then all of a sudden people are pointing fingers. Um, did people gravitate towards political leaders during this time? Was that something you saw, or did you see like them, I guess, not come together under political units? I 
don't think in some point it was like anymore about, I mean, being part of any party or whatever. When we had more in Bosnia and Croatia, it was because there were some Serbs there and they were engaged, of course, too much um, there because like that part of Bosnia was in, in some sense Serbian. I mean, I don't say it's Serbia, but like they were fighting for that part of the people. So um, in that sense, it is a war over the land. But I don't think like, I don't feel, for example, uh, I remember when my, I consider my father like a big patriot and like everyone that I know was in the beginning for Sloboda Milosevic, for example. But then like in next, I don't know, first few years of his uh, presidency, they actually, all of them like changed their mind. They all said like, I don't know what this man is doing, like it's too much. You know, at the end it was just, I mean, national war. Yeah, it was a national like, war. I mean, it was... It was nationalistic ideologies that were heightened and uh, the politicians at the time definitely took advantage of it. They yeah. took full advantage of it. And at the same time, you're dealing with politicians that were getting, um, I don't want to say manipulated, they were getting um, fed promises from uh, the international community um, that would stabilize their economies. Uh, it was it was very uh, well orchestrated, I want to say. But I mean, in times when when people are fighting for their lives and when they're when they don't know what else to do, you need to point out a a, a bad guy. Yeah, that's, and that's that, you know that's a that's a human reaction. That's not anything else. And then when things start happening then there's no one that can stop that. Like yeah. people are just fueled, yeah. they just want to fight, they want like everyone like uh, pulls something out like oh we were um, they had more power, we didn't have power, we had this, they had that, so it's it was just like a mix of everything and it just exploded someday. Yeah, and everyone had their own excuse for doing yeah. something bad or whatever. Yeah. And like the funny thing is that every one of them was in some point right, but also like wrong. But that is the, the thing that none of the countries, none of the people would ever say that they were wrong. Yeah. And that is like the initial problem. <laughs> That's the Balkan stuff that, that is like comes into play. That is why we don't prosper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was there a collective narrative that each of you were fed that was like, they are wrong, we are Never. right? Never. No. Um, growing up in a diaspora community, so in Hamilton where I grew up, I grew up in a community where we had no other option but to help each other out. And growing up, I mean, I knew about the war and I, I would listen to the stories that my parents would tell me and the stories that, you know, our family friends would go through and all of that stuff. But I was never once told, like, these people are terrible people, you can't associate with them, all of this other stuff. But with that being said, even in my community, there were times where nationalism took hold. And uh, nationalist ideologies were uplifted, and people would get into fights. I mean, there's specific schools where they were known for 
Serbians and Albanians fighting every other week, every other day. They were constantly at each other's throats for what reason? Because of what somebody said, because of what somebody provoked. So I mean, but when it comes to narratives, I was never fed a specific narrative where these people are atrocious, you can't hang around them, all of that stuff. And also, I think like we need to make a difference when we are talking like, uh, in our case, like Serbia versus Albania or Serbia versus other Yugoslavian yeah. countries. Because we are more closer to other Yugoslavian countries. We share the same language, for instance. Yeah. And the funny thing from my childhood is that I knew all of the patriotic uh, Serbian songs during Slobodan Milosevic regime. So you can, I mean, of course, I grew up and I, I know that is like, um, <laughs> that was just propaganda. But in that point, I was like, uh, how old? Seven. And I knew all of the songs where I have to like adore my country and I, I'm gonna say we will win whatever we are winning because I didn't know in my mind we were just fighting someone. Yeah. We just knew okay it's war, someone is going, someone from my place is going to the war front or whatever uh, and you're just hoping oh, okay I hope I'm gonna win and I'm gonna stay in that place. In that point, for me, uh, I mean, it was not a painted picture like, oh, Albanians are really awful. Mm -hmm. Well, in my case, now being, um, you see, um, obviously, Albanian people in Kosovo especially think that um, Serbians um, are the bad guy. Uh, war, there was war, th bad things were happening, we can be killed at any time, but like there wasn't like, oh, we have to do this, we have to kill them, or we have to do this or that in my family. So it was, it's more like a general idea, these are the bad guys and that's it. Me, having grown up, you know, in North America and in Canada, the, I was um, along the same lines as you guys, when it came to narratives, um, I knew about the war and I knew that there was fighting going on. What I didn't realize was how the West, uh, the Western media was portraying the war. And it wasn't until a couple of years later, after you know I had already been even questioned by teachers in school and stuff about the war, that I realized that Serbians were being portrayed as these ultra-nationalistic I think that was probably one of the biggest shockers for me growing up was that uh, we were the bad guys and uh, there was a lot of times that even me as a Canadian citizen, someone who was born in Canada, there were numerous times where people came up to me and you know they would point their finger at me and they would tell me how terrible a person I am or how terrible uh, of, uh, terrible Serbs are in general and all of this stuff. And, you know, um, at the end of the day, like, what am I supposed to say to that person? I'm not gonna sit, I can't sit there and teach them a lesson. Uh, I just wanted to say that some of those stories are backed up, that mm -hmm. we had, like, like, we have a lot of people that are really uh, nationalist, and of course, like, but you need to understand that in the time of war, if you're a nationalist, you're gonna be ultra-nationalist. I know it's, like, the awful thing, but it's just the like logic uh, and we did do a lot of things that uh, make us a bad guys. The, the only thing I don't like about the story about Yugoslavia war that 
like most of the stories are about Serbians being bad guys and not about the other parts like where Serbians were victims. I don't know if there's people out there that would deny uh, atrocities that were brought in by Serbian troops. I know I, w I wouldn't do it. I think it's a war. I think um, it, it definitely wasn't right. We definitely weren't angels in it. But I don't think anybody was a complete victim. I don't think anybody was a, was completely innocent in it. I think um, uh, we all lost someone, something. We all lost something in the war. So yeah. in that in that instance, we uh, are almost on the same front. And I think that Serbs just. Uh, they claim and they want to cling on to that acknowledgement. They just want to want it to be acknowledged. Okay, Laura, you are at a like a different place coming from Albania, and there's oftentimes from the global audience the ethnic cleansing does come up, and we want to be like super careful when we talk about this and not pit anyone against each other. But can you talk about how if you thought that that was something that came from a government and it was systematic that way? Or, um, I guess, just a little bit about it from both you guys can all feel free to. Yeah, I, well, I mean, there's no good, good way of saying this. That, in my opinion, that, I mean, this is a strong statement, but in my opinion, that was ethnic cleansing. Maybe it didn't come from the individuals, it came from the state, from the government, Maybe there were individuals who were saying, hey, this is bad, what are you guys doing? You should stop this. I mean, there are good people as well, like everywhere, and there are bad people everywhere. But that was like, I just, um, let's say, uh, in my family, no one was killed. Even though we were very close, but no one was killed. But um, my mother, let's say, she was uh, fired from work just for being an Albanian. And that didn't happen just to my mother, but it happened to plenty of people. Um, I think that was ethnic cleansing, but um, it didn't come from the people. It didn't come from the people of Serbia. It came from the government and then uh, the people who were brainwashed. So in the end, there's someone who says, well, I was ordered to do this. Who am I to question this? And I think that sometimes that there's clarity when we look back on events and I'm wondering if anything was cleared up or you could maybe understand the other side, not better, but it wasn't because it was over, it was easier to understand where the other side might have been coming from. I mean, it's awesome that we don't have war, um, that changed, but Nothing else changed that much. That is the problem. And that is the thing I hate about my country. And now I'm talking about Serbia. Uh, and I think like, that is the thing about Balkan countries. We are so similar, but we want to prove that we are so different. Like, and we more of the all want to prove that we are different. And I think that we are all driven Serbia, in my case, like I can tell 100%, uh, we are more driven towards proving that we are right than towards making our lives better. 
we want to like just fight verbally. We want to just prove a point. You have a dialogue going on between Kosovo and Serbia, and just a few a few things have been agreed. And even those things that have been agreed, it's taken years. Yeah, it's taken years to be implemented back and forth. No, they don't accept this. No, we don't accept that. So it's been like uh, 17 years and no like good agreement until now. And I think it's gonna take way longer than this. Why? What? I'm sorry. What? What does the real struggle come from? Like. There is still generations of people that hold on to an ideology of what Yugoslavia was. People are holding on to these ideologies and and they won't I honestly maybe maybe they're still searching for some cultural values or they're trying to reestablish what their country stands for after the war is just in that phase where they don't know what direction to go into because everything fell apart so quickly. Do you think it'll take a younger generation like yours to see the change in you? Maybe not even my generation. generation the generation that was born after the war. Yes. The ones that don't like they they are told what happened, but they didn't experience it. Definitely understandable, and um, I definitely think it's going to take a generation or two before we can have some uh, sense of clarity in the Balkans at all. Because my generation now is tired of not having opportunities that they should have, but um, that is like combination of everything. So as she said, uh, we still remember stuff. It's still fresh in some sense. We have that uh, horrible leadership that is injecting their ideologies and propagandas and firing it up, nationalism or whatever. And that nationalism is fired up because of the financial insecurity of all people. Okay, so you each mentioned that change will come with the next generation. Um, however, each generation bears a responsibility to carry on the stories and lessons to the one following. What lessons do you each hope to instill in the next generation, the group that you want to bring about change? Um, what would I say? I would, 100%, I would mention that there was a war, there was something that happened, because we don't want that thing to happen again. Mm -hmm. That is like a lesson learned, what shouldn't be happening. But, um, to be honest, I, uh, I don't really yeah, I don't know. know. I don't, know I don't really know. Like that comes naturally. I think uh, in the wrong. You just read Um But yeah, in terms of, of discussing this with future generations, I think you know there's there's gonna be stories of what my family went through. But I would make a, a point to say that. You can't blame one specific side. If you're gonna blame anybody, if you need, if you have that need to blame somebody, blame the politicians from all sides. Mm -hmm. Don't pin it one person against each other. I think we definitely have to discuss, you know, the things that did occur during the war, just because we don't want them to happen again. So you need to talk about how 
human life was essentially disintegrated. It was my lesson would be just be informed, be mm -hmm. in doubt, whatever you hear, whatever you whatever someone says to you, even if it's a Serbian person or whatever. Just don't trust it hundred percent. Just always think maybe there is something more. Yeah. Because you need to know uh, different perspectives. One of the main things that our generation should do for future generations is to uh, teach them not to provoke each other. I think that's a huge issue in the Balkans that we all provoke each other. So if the but final issue is rooted in politicians and the government. Where is change actually coming from? What is the role that each of you hope to play in your societies abroad and at home so change can happen? Well, to be honest with you, like I think change. Me as a person, I can't do much. Like what I can do is like when I meet people, we don't go like fighting each other. You did that. <laughs> that my country did this. You did this to us. We just hang out as normal people. Um, in my case, let's say uh, some like some my mother's part, the family of my mother, they all mostly live in Serbia. So they're Albanians, but they live in Serbia. And they never had, never since I remember, um, had a problem with that. Like, I go there, no one says, oh, why did you come from Kosovo here? I speak Albanian. We speak Albanian. No one cares that we're speaking Albanian. Maybe there are some parts of Serbia or some parts of Kosovo where people are more nationalistic. But some, like, I know friends of mine and me personally, I don't, like, I don't talk about unless I'm asked. Like, if we didn't have that, we wouldn't be able to sit here and have this, this panel discussion. And um, I think for, for the generations to come, it's what we already discussed, it's the open-mindedness that we need to instill. And I, again, you know, we're just three tiny people. Okay, I'm tiny. <laughs> three little people in this world. And I think when it comes to things like this, especially considering that we're studying cultural diplomacy, I think uh, it's just a matter of engaging people's initiative to, to be um, open-minded and to research. If they have questions, ask the questions. And if, if you're interested in the topic, then look into it. That's the only way that I was able to gain as much knowledge in the topic. I mean, my parents were a great help, and my neighbors were a great help, but there is so much more to the story than just what happened in Karolat's Croatia during you know the 90s. Like, There's a huge impact, and I think the entire Yugoslav case started way before 1990, I think it started the moment that you know, politicians were in their own world. But that being put aside, it's just a matter of, of letting people know that it's okay, you can ask questions, you can figure these things out, you can look at whatever you want to look at to, understand, to better understand the situation. I, like I'm always focusing focusing on that. We need to change leadership. Like we need to, and it's not so easy. Like oh, let's change it because obviously some people are, um, don't want that. And, uh, and the thing is, even when we change one person there, we, we cannot we cannot just change one. It's whole system that is like involved. It's so so. I'm I'm hoping it's gonna come to that 
point of time that we will just, like I said before, we will just get tired of having these stupid discussions and these things going on with us and like more people will want a change so more people will be included because now for example Serbia is like in a totally stagnation mm -hmm. uh, young people that are really like intelligent that deserve some of the best places in a country are not respected at all you're getting a job because you're part of the party the main problem about Balkan is that I mean I so love that peninsula I so love every country there it's so specific specific and when you actually see those similarities that we share I love it more because like you you can see it when you're somewhere out somewhere out like when I meet someone in Berlin that is from Albania or uh, Kosovo or Bosnia whatever we are always like uh, like actually glad to see each other like oh because we know that we're similar at least we can hope that something like that can happen. Yeah, I think sometimes it takes like small initiatives yeah. somewhere in a very tiny city and then it, it's like fire, you know, and then it's mm. like a snowball, like it just, you know, another group yeah. of youth somewhere else start doing the same thing and they start coming up with um, maybe different ideas. So sometimes just small initiatives, it does not have to be a big organization. Of course, I know. I, I always hear about those cases and I'm actually just hoping it will, it will happen in in uh, our country. For example, now I was really excited about these presidential elections and this were, these were the first elections that I was excited about and I thought that they are important because we had candidates that are not here from 90s, they are new and I saw that people are actually cheering for them. There was, there was not enough people because we know who was elected but uh, I love that I saw that there are some people who, who, who are not just brainwashed, who want to change something. So I'm hoping like maybe for next election more people will so gather. So we, I think it can change. It can start with words, so thank you for all yours. Thank you so much for tuning in to Substance's episode today. We hope you learned something new or something thought-provoking in the panel discussion between our three participants. If you have any more questions about Yugoslavia or you want to add something to the debate about how you think about remembrance in your own way, then please write to us at dosageofrepartee at gmail.com, comment or review us on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever podcast system you use, or write with us on Facebook. There's a million ways you can get in communication, and we're looking forward to staying in touch.